The draft is done and the Colts got a whole lot more athletic. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, thanks for tuning in and making us your evening stop for post-draft uh, Colts coverage. <laughs> this is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and having a wild day like these guys all did today and for the last couple days, then this game is definitely for you. Uh, to download it, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on your app store. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo "Locked On" in all caps in the game. I am Jake Arthur. He is Zach Hicks. You know the two of us from HorseshoeHuddle.com. Uh, I have been uh, set up here at the Colts facility for the last few days. Uh, I have a chair growing out of my hind end, and I'm, I'm ready to <laughs> go home and spend longer than like two hours at my house. Uh, Zach has been killing it with his his coverage, his tweetage, uh, his film rooms, which more of them are to come. Uh, you guys have really been eating up what we've got on here. Uh, our YouTube has kind of been on fire these last few days, so we very much appreciate that from you guys. Uh, but yeah, today, pretty obvious. Uh, with the draft now complete, we're going to go over what the Colts did on day three, nine picks just in one day. Uh, we're going to give our thoughts on the draft class as a whole, what we thought they accomplished, what they might still be missing. Uh, and then we're going to finish it up by mentioning some undrafted free agents that are kind of sticking out. Some of those names are starting to trickle in. Uh, that is the eighth round after all. So the draft really isn't done until UDFAs are officially announced, really. So I'm uh, just kind of going to quickly fly through some of these day three picks real quick. Uh, in the fourth round, the Colts took BYU tackle Blake Freeland and um, Northwestern defensive lineman. I, I can't say it yet. Adi Adi. Adi Adi, yeah. I'm normally very good with these names, but I don't ha I haven't found it in my brain yet where I can like find where it smooths out. Uh, but yeah, very good, very good player. Should have gone on day two. Uh, fifth round, they had a bunch of picks. Cornerback Darius Rush, another day two pick. Uh, safety Daniel Scott out of California, tight end Will Mallory out of Miami, running back Evan Hull out of Northwestern in the sixth round. They got defensive end Titus Leo out of Wagner. And then two picks in the seventh round, cornerback uh, Jalen Jones and offensive tackle Jake Witt. So, Zach, what stuck out to you about some of these guys today? Because they got some really good value. Yeah, you know, I think the funniest thing about this draft today and, and just the overall draft in general is, you know, we saw a lot of national guys being like, Oh my gosh, the Colts are drafting so many athletic players. Like this has to be one of the most athletic classes ever. This mm -hmm. has kind of been the trend for the Colts uh, yeah. the last three years, like ever since 2021, pretty much every player they've taken, I, I think outside of, I want to say what will fries and Titus Leo today, every single one of them has been above that 9.0 threshold uh, in mm -hmm. RAS and RAS with uh, that's Kent Lee Platt does there on Twitter. Uh, all phenomenal athletes, historically great players in terms of how they move. 
and stuff like that. And and this draft class just kind of further further embodied that. I mean, guys like Daniel Scott are elite athletes. Darius Rush, you know, four three huge cornerback. Adi Adi, obviously from Northwestern, the 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 nine point eight RAS. Like these guys are phenomenal athletes. Blake Freeland, you know, Blake Freeland, who we'll talk about in a second. I don't think is like the greatest pick overall at that spot. But this is a guy where you're betting on those elite traits as an offensive tackle and what you can mm-hmm. develop him into being almost the exact same profile as uh, Bernard Ryman last year, outside of having a little bit longer arms uh, and being a little bit younger. But yeah, no, the, the biggest thing that stuck out today is just the emphasis on athletes, you know, just keep throwing dart shots at these elite athletes and say only like two or three of them hit. That's fine. This is day three. This is day three of the draft. You're just trying to, to hit on athletes and getting guys who can kind of contribute in some way to your roster. And the and you know statistically, the best guys who are going to do that are the elite athletes. So I love mm-hmm. it. Just keep taking those dart throws at at elite athletes. And my God, I mean, they took so many elite elite athletes yeah. today. Yeah, absolutely. So last year, their their average Raz draft pick was like nine point six one. Yeah. And this year it was 9.49. So unbelievable uh, athleticism on, on that part. Uh, I, I actually, I made sure to let Kentley Platt know that today, the, the average, because they almost have to have guys Raz scored on the draft card. Like it, it's just in, insane. Uh, but no, I really love what they did, especially Ade Ade and Darius Rush, getting them in the fourth and fifth rounds. Those are two guys who, if you heard their name called in round two, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, they're they're going to play Ade Ade at three tech, which is going to be a, a good play for him. There's not going to be too much pressure. Uh, he's obviously going to be behind DeForest Buckner there. Uh, I like that. Three corners now who are like <laughs> 6'2 and at least 195-ish. Like, that's great. They, they wanted to get lengthier and more athletic in the secondary, and they did it. And yeah. then you you had mentioned you really like Daniel Scott as well. Very athletic guy. Um, I asked, I think it was Chris Ballard I asked after. I was like, you know, this dude is super athletic. And what Brian Mason described that he wants in a core special teamer, he seems to check off every box. And he said, yeah, absolutely. We see that for him. But also we think he might be able to contribute on defense a little bit. Uh, You know, maybe not right away. But uh, I don't think he's just going to be a special teamer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I'll touch on this real quick. You know, obviously, Adi Adi and Darius Rush are the two big names that they pulled today. Like those are two guys, like like you said, consistently mocked in, in round two, round three across every single big board and mock draft simulator. And the Colts were able to get them in rounds four and five, respectively. Like that's that's a great hole. But for me, the three guys that really stand out to me and who I think can contribute right away, Daniel Scott, like you said, I think he is a guy who can be a phenomenal special teamer from day one, over 600 special team snaps in college. Mm-hmm. But also this is a phenomenal athlete that covers a lot of ground at free safety. And I think they're in a good spot where if Ronnie Thomas goes down, they have him uh, to step in there and be that deep safety. So I love his fit in Gus Bradley's defense. Evan Hole, the running back from Northwestern. This is a guy where, again, the Colts are missing that Naheem Hines type role. And that's a huge role in the Shane Steichen offense. You know, he had Kenneth Gainwell the last two years in Philadelphia being that pass catching running back. Uh, Evan Hull's going to be able to step in from day one, do a lot of things in the pass catching game. So I'm a really big fan of that. And then Jalen Jones from Texas A&M to get him in round seven. Look, I know the 40 time is not great, 
but he only had 19 targets against him last year. Teams were terrified to throw the ball his way. 19 targets in over 200 uh, snaps in coverage last year. Uh, that's like one in every 14 snaps he was targeted, only allowing 10 receptions for 94 yards on the season. Uh, this is a guy where teams did not want to target him whatsoever. They wanted no part of him on defense and to get him in round seven. And again, this might be a player that you put on the practice squad or whatsoever, but like, this is a good coverage player that that could develop into a starting corner. So I'm a big fan of this day three. I love a lot of the picks here, but yeah, Daniel Scott, Evan Hole, Jalen Jones, like those are just two kind of afterthought names that I'm like, okay, I really like those guys as well. Yeah, they, they had some holes and they absolutely addressed them. Uh, we're going to discuss more of that here in a minute when we, uh, when we discuss what the Colts accomplished with this 12-man draft class. But first, a word from our friends over at Ultimate Football GM. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You guys have obviously heard us talk a bunch about this before over the last several months. Uh, it's been really fun to play. If you just want to play basically Madden franchise mode or, or something along those lines from your phone, I really can't recommend this enough. And especially if, if you still need a draft fix after all this, the game is, is going to do it for you. Uh, Locked on Colts listeners, you guys get a 100% free boost to your franchise when you use the promo code Locked On in all caps in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps, so make sure to check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com, Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. And every day is we back with you on Monday to keep talking about the implications of this draft class and what it means for the Colts moving forward. So make sure you're not missing it because again, it's another chance for me to go crazy about Anthony Richardson. And guys, look, it's, since we're talking about this draft class and talking about me and my, uh, my Anthony Richardson love, you know, I'll get it out of the way real quick. Cause we have a whole off season to talk about Anthony Richardson on here. And again, just how much I love that pick, but Overall thoughts on this draft class, I loved it. Uh, I think this was the draft class that the Colts needed because I think going into this draft, obviously they needed their franchise quarterback. But aside from that, you know, this team was lacking so much depth, so much quality depth, so much quality young depth. They were lacking in so many key spots, cornerback, offensive line. Uh, you could say a lot of spots on defense. Even the defensive line kind of needed some refresher. Uh, in terms of uh, young talent safety needed some work tight end obviously you can make the argument for like they just needed to keep adding young competitive depth to this roster and if you look what they did in this draft like Chris Ballard kept all those picks for a reason he kept moving back he kept compiling more picks because he wanted to keep adding depth to this team and when you look at all the players they pulled from this like there's a good nine to 10 of them at least that are going to make the roster. And we're not even talking about the undrafted free agents, like mm -hmm. a good nine, 10, maybe 11 of these guys will make the opening roster to start this year and actually have some kind of impact on the team. Like this was, I, I think I don't want to get too ahead of myself because these guys haven't even suited up whatsoever, but like, I think the implications of this draft can be massive for this franchise and can be a major stepping stone going forward. So I'm a big fan of everything they did. And, and even if some of these guys are a good chunk of these guys don't pan out, I just like the idea of adding so much young talent to a roster that really just needed that depth. Yeah. And here's the thing. This is obviously a rebuilding team. You have a brand new head coach who's kind of, kind of implementing his philosophy on offense, 
but you've also got a pretty good defense led by a coordinator who's trying to continue building on what they established last year. You had your biggest draft class in like 30, at least 30 years. And that's awesome. That's a huge influx in talent and specifically guys with traits that you wanted. That's, that's terrific news. Uh, that's, that's something really good that they did. Uh, I mean, they didn't, I don't think they addressed every need, but I like that they got two tackles. I don't know that Jake Witt is going to make it right away. I think he's going to be a practice squad guy. Yeah. Uh, but I asked about him specifically after the draft and they're really excited about him. They, they kind of compared his metamorphosis or what they foresee it as Mo Alley Cox ish. Yeah. Um, but for, for an offensive tackle, he's another super athletic guy who was once a tight end. Uh, he's had to bulk up. The dude has seen a, a unbelievable amount of transition in the last few years between sports, switching positions, transferring, doing this and that, uh, having some stability and being in an NFL, you know, program, I think is going to be really good for his development. Uh, they're really psyched to have Blake Freeman. They see him as an immediate swing tackle, which is something they really need. Uh, last season just wasn't it. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Will Mallory, he's going to be interesting because how do you find a spot for him? Uh, the good thing there is I think you just have a, a pretty big tight end group and you're, it's just going to be survival of the fittest. Uh, yeah. He's more of a pass receiving tight end as well, which is something they already have a wealth of. Um, so we'll see who wins out there. And then you mentioned Evan Hull. I like that one. He seems to really embrace. He he knows what it's going to take for him to make the roster. Uh, he wants to be a, a core special teamer. He wants to excel in pass protection and he knows that it's Jonathan Taylor's show and that he can earn a role in that platoon, basically. Uh, so he's really excited to get going, and I think he could be really invaluable to them. One of those those guys who's not going to make a Pro Bowl, not going to be winning awards, but like you think back to it and you're like, man, he's really valuable. I think yeah. he has that kind of potential for the offense. Yeah, it's, it's that Kenneth Gainwell role that yeah. Philadelphia had the last two seasons. Just that guy who, you know, he'll catch 30, 40 passes on the season, maybe for like 300, 350 yards. But like, that's amazing, a massive impact on that offense. Like, it's it's not something where you're going to draft him in fantasy football and start mm -hmm. him every single week. But it's something where if you're a play caller, you're like, okay, cool. I have this guy who's going to get me consistent production when I ask, or he can run a Texas route out of the backfield and beat this linebacker and, and get me some, some yards. Like that's exactly what I need. But another big takeaway I have from this, from this draft class is just the, the, the reliance on Shane Steichen and the reliance on Shane Steichen and getting him some things that he needed for this offense. Cause again, Shane Steichen's coming to an offense that was built for Frank Reich. You know, a lot of things in this offense from the big receivers to the types of offensive linemen and such like that, you know, a lot of this was built for Frank Reich and Shane Steichen's a very, very different coach than Frank Reich. You know, I'm like, obviously it's not drastically different. They do have a lot of overlap, but Shane Steichen wants certain things that Frank Reich certainly didn't. And you can tell with the wide receiver picks where if this were a Frank Reich offense still, they would have done everything to get Jonathan Mingo there in round two. Like Jonathan mm -hmm. Mingo would have been the pick at 35 and we would have been all happy about having a supercharged Zach Pascal, But because we have Shane Steichen and have that horizontal and vertical game that he's going to bring here, 
we get a guy like Josh Downs, who's that natural separator who can sneak in and out of the mesh and and kind of work under those bunch sets and three by one sets, which is exactly what Shane Steichen needed. And then also just look at the weapons that were added in this class. Again, these are not super high profile players they added, but look at some of the weapons they added to kind of help a player like Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson's biggest flaw is his short passing game is everything that's underneath Uh, The timing is off. The mechanics are off. He struggled a lot last season at Florida with that. Well, you're going to get him a guy like Josh Downs, who had like a 2% drop rate in college, who can get open super quick. You go to day three and you get a a pass catching running back in Evan Hole, who can haul in everything. Then you get Will Mallory, who another player who can get open and does not drop many passes. Like you're getting him those underneath weapons that he needs that can get open, that can be consistent, reliable threats underneath. I think a lot of this draft was, yes, we're going to throw shots at athletes and we're going to get guys who we feel like we can build around with some development. But also everything about this draft is building around that quarterback. We're going to get him weapons. We're going to get Shane Steichen weapons that can help this offense succeed. And I think they hit a lot of things with that. You know, again, Evan Hole and Will Mallory are not phenomenal picks. They're not these guys who are going to be superstars, but they can be little pieces to helping Anthony Richardson be the franchise quarterback. A plus picks right there. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of this was geared towards getting Richardson ready and and just getting him some protection, getting him some weapons and just making things uh, more comfortable around him. And, you know, Chris Ballard and and Shane Steichen spoke afterward and Jim Irsay as well, really. Um, It it sounds like things for Anthony Richardson are are probably they're going to they're going to do what they can to get him ready for week one. I don't think they feel pressured to make it happen, but I think that's their intention. Um, Not even really reading between the lines. It was indirectly what they were saying pretty much, you know? Um, So that's good. I I think they did a lot of things to help accomplish that. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have so much this off season to talk Anthony Richardson. We're going to have countless experts on to talk about him. Only experts are going to hype him up though, obviously, because that's, (laughs) that's all I want obviously on this show, but we're going to talk a lot about Anthony Richardson this offseason. I'm sure you guys are going to love a lot of those conversations. But first, we have to talk about this undrafted free agent class that's starting to shape up. You know, obviously, I know we're not going to know all these names. I haven't watched the film on guys from Virginia State or, or you know, Little Sisters of the Poor in Kentucky or something, all these <laughs> places that they're signing guys. But this is an intriguing undrafted free agent class we're going to talk to in just a second. But first... If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you got to try the best tasting protein bar ever. That's built. You've got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but you don't have the one to compromise on taste, then I've got just the thing for you. It's built bars and built puffs. Built bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing, you won't even think that they're good for you. You've got to try this. And now you don't even have to go and you don't even have to like wait to get a box. You for years we've talked about how you can order built bars on built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you still get your specialty flavors there at built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13 bar box with our hit flavors brownie batter puff and churro puff you guys can thank me later all right jake so i'm not going to ask you to rattle off all these uh undrafted free agents because they're still rolling in as we're talking uh right now so obviously uh it's hard for us to stay as updated and say every single one of them as they're happening we did try to push the stream back 
uh, a little bit just so we could let some of them filter in. But I think the biggest thing for me before we talk about the biggest name that the Colts signed is Houston linebacker Donovan. I think it's Mutin is how you say his name or Mutton. That's what I, I, I was going to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mutin or Mutton uh, is signing with the Colts on a deal that includes $100,000 guaranteed. Now, I believe this is the second or third biggest guaranteed deal the Colts have given to an undrafted free agent behind, I think, Ryan Vandermark last year and Devonta mm-hmm. Price last year. I think Devonta Price was close as well to this. Mm-hmm. So obviously, again, those two players didn't make the roster last year. So this doesn't in, this isn't indicative of, you know, this guy's absolutely making the roster, but it means the Colts felt like they had to pay a lot to get this guy. Yeah, and Kyle Raposa, I don't know if you saw this, but Kyle Raposa, our guy, uh, Colts cap Kyle, he made a good point about this deal specifically that uh, when you see deals like this that are that big for undrafted free agents, it often covers the practice squad cost for the year, basically, uh, for for that player. So even if he's not going to – I mean, they'll give him a chance to make the roster. They didn't do anything at linebacker today, and they it's a position they needed. So he'll get a chance to make the roster, but at the very least, that kind of fronts him for the practice squad. So unless he just totally bombs this summer, he'll probably be on the practice squad next year. Yeah, yeah, which that's fine. If if you get an undrafted free agent that even makes your practice squad and maybe gets up for a couple games, like that's a win. You know, we're talking undrafted free agents here. It's a win if they have the career of an Ashton Doolin or a George Odom, which are have been all pro special teamers. Like that's a massive win. If mm-hmm. you get that, but just getting them to be on practice squad and still be in uh, the NFL after a couple of years, that is huge. But the biggest signing, obviously, is the local kid, Emil Akior Jr., uh, guard yeah. out of Alabama. That is obviously the biggest undrafted free agent signing. I think it was the first one announced by any big time reporter, Tom Pelissero. Yeah, Tom Pelissero was on it right away. Uh, obviously, he has that connection there in the Indy front office, but uh, he was on that right away. And I love this signing right here. Like, I think in the indie draft guide, we had him as a, I want to say I had him as a fifth round pick, uh, a guy where I was a little concerned with the size and the natural power, but he brings that mentality that you want. He looks like an NFL type of player, uh, has some versatility on the interior. Like I think Emilio Kior has a really, really good chance of making this roster uh, as an undrafted free agent. For sure. He was, he was on the roster for the local pro day, but he wasn't here. I think he probably had a scheduling conflict with like a, a 30 visit or something that came up. Uh, So didn't get to see him work out, but I am very intrigued by this. Um, It's, it's a little crazy that an undrafted free agent could potentially come in and earn your starting right guard spot. Right. Uh, I was, I was curious to get your thoughts on that, you know, based on the not explosive power and, and things like that. We've seen that be an issue with like Danny Pinter, for example, but I think Pinter's smaller, less, built i guess you would say um with a key or do you think the warts in his game or the deficiencies can be covered up by him playing inside and being bookended by ryan kelly and Braden smith in a way that it didn't work out for pinter so i i will say this i did write in the indie draft guide because i actually did write up on the offensive lineman prospects so you, again every single prospect grade in there is not all written by me i just did the offensive line guys so please it's not just the Zach Hicks draft guide. It's the indie draft guide. Uh, but yeah, Kior is a guy where I, I'm pretty sure I wrote in there. I only see him as a center in the NFL. Uh, I, I, he's just a Danny Pinter type where he's a smaller, slimmer build. 
who struggles with some power on the interior. And I'm a little nervous of putting that at guard. Uh, yes, he could bulk up. He could bulk up more than a Danny Pinter did. And he has better technique than Pinter ever did on the inside. Uh, so he could find like better ways to kind of mitigate those weaknesses that he had on his college film. So I'm not saying that he's, I'm, I'm not just going to like bury him here and say he can't play right guard, but I would be shocked if he could beat out someone like Will Fries in year one to be a starter. Uh, I think he could certainly win a roster spot and be a sixth or seventh, you know, offensive lineman on this team. But yeah, I don't think he's going to beat out a guy like Will Fries to start. Uh, I, I'd envision the Colts either maybe try and uh, Blake Freeland a little bit there this offseason just to see, you know, if that's something he could handle. Maybe he could win that spot there. And then maybe, you know, looking at the veteran free agent market, uh, Dalton Reisner is out there. They could still sign a starting right guard in free agency. So I'm not saying Emilia Kior can't win this starting job. I think there's just going to be better and other options for the Colts uh, in free agency and also in-house. Freeland might be too dang big. He's like 6'8". <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a big guy. What was Matt Pryor last year playing at right guard? Did it Matt matter? Was, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not saying Matt Pryor was good. I'm just saying right. Matt Pryor was. I think Matt Pryor was six eight playing some right guard for the Colts. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah the size is a little interesting to put him inside. But you know yeah. what? If they if they can move well, you know Blake Freeland yeah. can definitely move well. So I don't know. No, It'd be for, I was going to say for a, a key or if he of course doesn't have to start and you wouldn't expect that from an undrafted guy, but if he can earn a spot in that interior line depth rotation, they, that would be great because they need it. Wesley French, uh, Dakota Shepley and Danny Pinter are your main guys you're looking at right now. And a lot of you guys probably only know one of those names. So <laughs> yes. Yes, I will throw out one more name here. This undrafted free agent class, like, yes, we're going to see a lot of guys where they are from really small schools. And you're probably like, I don't know who this guy is and we'll have to wait for training camp. But one guy to keep an eye on is Sam Houston State wide receiver Cody Crest. Uh, this is a player where super, super fast, super athletic. I think he's like six foot, 193, uh, ran a four, three, six, jumped like 41 inches. Phenomenal athlete can kind of do it all at the wide receiver position, play inside and out. Uh, I get very Ashton Doolin vibes from him where mm. as long as he commits to playing gunner, I think he can be a phenomenal gunner in the NFL. And I, and I honestly, again, there's a lot of factors that go into this, but I think he has a good chance of making the roster at wide receiver five or six. Like I, I think he can be a guy who can step in and, or wide receiver six, I guess behind Ashton Doolin, but I think he's a guy who can step in uh, and have that immediate impact on special teams. So Cody Crest, Sam Houston State, I was really excited to see that signing there. Uh, I, I really think, again, this is a type of undrafted free agent that couldn't make the roster. That's interesting. I'll have to keep an eye on that one. I think you tweeted about that one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I did I did an article of 20 small schoolers to watch uh, for mm -hmm. the Indianapolis Colts a while back, and I mostly listed all the big-name uh, small schoolers like Cody Malk and all them, but uh, at the end I listed off a couple names that I had heard the Colts kind of connected to. Uh, Cody Crest came in at number 20 on there. Liam Anderson out of Holy Cross, who signed with the Colts, came in at number 12 on there. And then Jake Witt, who the Colts took in round seven, I think I put at number like 15 or 16. So I got a couple. I got a couple yeah. of this. I knew they were going to get some small schoolers. I missed out on Titus Leo. So I had to make up for it by getting a couple of the other guys there. But yeah, I love small schoolers. I'm excited to see some of these guys compete in camp. But Cody Crest, that's the one I'm keeping an eye on because they don't make receivers that move like that. You know, it's very rare to find players that can move like him uh, and look so fluid and quick in it. So yeah, Cody Crest, 
that that's a guy that I've been uh, watching because Embry Hunt kind of turned me on to him. But yeah, it, it's a good player right there that the Colts have. Nice. Yeah, just a couple more parting shots for me. Little info nuggets for you guys. Uh, Jake Witt, Chris Ballard said, I, I think they were intending to try and sign him as an undrafted guy, but they had the draft picks. They said, let's just go get him. You know, he's worth taking the swing on. And then um, Mallory, uh, Will Mallory, you guys will, will remember him. His grandfather is like the most successful football coach in IU history, Bill Mallory. That's his – that Bill Mallory is his grandpa. And then his uncle, Kurt Mallory, is currently the head coach for Indiana State. So if you're thinking of the Mallory family and that rings a bell, it absolutely does. Uh, so Will Mallory comes from a very strong football family here in Indy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So make sure you guys are uh, following his career there. I'm excited for Will Mallory. I'm excited for this entire draft class and every dares. We'll be back with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, everything next week talking about this draft class because, man, I am excited to get into this and really dive into the weeds of each and every single one of these players. Uh, so make sure you're following Locked On Colts on Twitter at Locked On Colts, at Jake Arthur NFL, and at Zach Hicks too. Again, all on Twitter. Also subscribe to Locked On Colts podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. We love your ratings and reviews, and we'll see you guys on Monday.